chapter 4, <clears throat> Second Kings chapter 4. There is an unwritten law, I believe, in, in humankind uh, <clears throat> that I believe most of us would agree on, and that is that parents should never have to bury a child. Is that true? Do parents have to bury children, though? Absolutely. My heart was so very heavy the day that we had to tell Bud and Jerry that their second child had died. I mean, yeah, that was a bad day. Uh, Many of us have... uh, uh, experienced similar situations. I know my wife and I uh, lost a child in, in our first uh, early years of marriage, and um, you know it's a, it's a tough time. And um, <clears throat> there is something um, catastrophic when a child dies. As a chaplain, I've had to deal with uh, three infant infant deaths. Uh, 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 what do they call it? SIDS, <clears throat> and uh, it's just it's just something that sticks with you. <clears throat> the story that we are about to read uh, has to do with the death of a child, and and as hard as as we can try, uh, we can in no way, shape, or form understand that the hurt uh, that this mother is about to go through. The last time we were uh, in Second Kings, uh, we talked about the Shunammite woman who uh, built a uh, prophet's chamber or a, a, a small apartment, if you would, on the side of her house uh, for the prophet uh, Elisha. And that her desire in doing so was to uh, be a blessing to the man of God. And in so doing, uh, she had become such a blessing to Elijah, Elisha, excuse me, Um, that Elisha uh, promised that God would give her a son. And sure enough, uh, about a year later, she had a baby little little baby boy. And in verse 8 of uh, 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 2 Kings chapter 4, she is referred to as a great woman. And... When we, when you put that in context of the trial that she's about to go through, uh, even great people struggle through life. You know, there, there, there's a misconception in, in Christendom that says that, you know, once you hit a certain plateau in your walk with the Lord, it's, it's easy sailing from there. Uh, and that is anything but true. In fact, the closer you get to him, uh, oftentimes the more struggles and trials that you, you encounter. The title of my message this evening is Raising the Dead. And I, I, by giving you the title kind of gives away the story if you're not familiar with it. But <clears throat> Raising the Dead, let's start reading in 2 Kings chapter 4 in verse 18. And when the child was grown... 
it fell on a day that he went out to his father uh, to the reapers. And he said unto his father, My head hurt, my head hurt. And he said to the lad, Carry him, excuse me, said to a lad, Carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knee uh, till noon and then died. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so very much for this day. Thank you for your love and for this, this passage of Scripture that we can uh, grow through. And Lord, I ask as we look at this passage that you would help us to see <clears throat> and to know just how much you do love each and every one of us. I'm so very thankful and grateful for all that you do. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> as hard as we try, uh, we cannot avoid death. Um, <clears throat> uh, people will spend, I, I should have looked this up, I, have, I, I didn't think about it until just now, but people will spend billions of dollars this year on health food, uh, uh, gym uh, 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 memberships. Uh, I mean, it, 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 you know, diets and all of this stuff. Why do we do that? I, number one, I don't do that. <laughs> it's kind of obvious. But, but no, seriously, why do we do that? Trying to cheat death. Why? Because we, not only do we want to live longer, but we want to live longer and healthier. And 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 <laughs> you don't want to buy a new suit. I love it. <laughs> Motivation, man, the almighty dollar. Um, you know, I, as a pastor and, and a chaplain with the county uh, sheriff's department, uh, I, I've learned two things about death. That death will do. It, it will. It will either draw us closer to God i.e. we depend on God to get us through the difficult situations, or it pushes us farther away from God. And bitterness can set in, and, and, and all kinds of things can, can, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, can enter in. And it can be this, the, 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 the death of a child or, or, or a, a spouse or a loved one of some sort, but death is coming to each and every one of us. Um, you know, there, there, there. What is that? There's a saying. There's only two certainties in life: uh, paying, de- paying taxes, and dying. Those are those are the two certainties. Uh, and and it is something that we cannot a- avoid. But at the same time, when it happens to a child, it it, it just seems like there's. I, I don't know if this is proper or or I know it's not theological, but anyway. But it just seems like we're being cheated, does it not? As we look at this story, though, there's a lot of a lot of this story that I, I believe can help us in our walk with the Lord, and that's why we're going to look at this story. But in verse 19, we see what I call the the first point here is the complaint of the child, the the complaint of the child. The the child, <clears throat> verse 19, say, it says unto his father, "My head hurt, my head hurt." Now we're told that uh, <clears throat> when the child was grown, that that identifying word "grown." Is a very large spectrum of of age. Okay, so there's a couple of things we know. He's old enough 
to be able to go to work with his dad. Okay, so he's, he's old enough to do that. But yet he's still young enough when he gets back to his mom, he sits in her lap. Now, <laughs> I don't know about you moms, but I, I, you know, I, I don't know that a, especially a boy ever gets big enough where a mom won't hold him in his lap. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he, would, he wouldn't. <laughs> He'd have to be pretty sick, okay? Um, but so, so we, we honestly, we don't know how old this boy is, but he's old enough to go to work with his dad, but he's young enough still to sit in his mom's lap, and he's old enough to identify wh- where the problem was. And <clears throat> so we, we don't, you know, there's just some things we just don't know. But there's a couple of things about this dad I wanted to identify just because I thought was interesting as I read through. Number one, he was a hands-on dad. Uh, he took his son to work with him. And, 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 and one, of the, one of the major issues that we have in our society today is, is hands-off dads. And uh, you know, we, we, we need to be proactive men. And uh, we need to, we need to uh, do what this man did. And the other thing is he recognized that the child needed his mom. <laughs> now, in, in all the years of raising children, not one time, not one time when our kids were sick, did they ever ask for me. <laughs> and I'm not bitter against that. A little upset maybe, but not bitter. No, seriously, why? Why? Because... As you know, and and if the if the if the if the modern day media was in here and heard me say what I'm about to say, they would raise, they would they would categorize me as a, a huh? Oh, anyway, they, they would they would have not so nice things to say to me. But the the reality is, there is a bond between a mom and a child that's not there with a dad. Just saying, okay. And this child obviously was sick, and the dad knew that he needed his mom. So what's he do? He 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 um, he he has one of his workers take him to his mom. <clears throat> but I cannot imagine. <clears throat> I just honestly cannot imagine the emotion that was taking place in the life of this mother. Can you imagine sitting in a chair? holding your child, watching them die. Now, in our society today, we have 911 and we have emergency rooms and hospitals and we have helicopters that will come and pick up people and take them places and do things. And, and But they, obviously, those things were not available then. And all she could do is sit and hold this child. And, and I, I, I don't know, I'm reading between the lines here, but I cannot help but think that her, her pouring out her heart to God to save my child. The, the anguish and, the, and, the, and the, the hurt that had to have been taking place in her life. I just, honestly, I cannot imagine. The closest thing that I've come to in my life to this scenario <clears throat> I was in, I was in the, the Ukraine about a year and a half after the wall had fallen, and uh, I had I had been asked to go there to look at a potential building project for a Christian organization. And while I was there, <clears throat> you know, the houses there are not houses like like we. I mean, they're 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 structures, but they're yards. 
uh, they don't have open yards. They have they have tall walls surrounding their property, and with with locked gates. And I, I mean, they're, they're almost every house is almost like a fortress. And <clears throat> we were inside the house one evening, and especially after dark, you never open the gate unless you know who it is. Well, we're sitting in the house, and the, the missionaries were with us, and <clears throat> we were eating dinner. And all of a sudden, on the gate of the of the of the yard, there was just just pounding on the gate. So the missionary went to went to the gate and was yelling through the gate and figured out who the individual was, opened the gate, let him in, and it was a guy that went to their church. And he come he come tearing through the yard and up into the into the porch, and by that time we had moved into the porch area trying to figure out what was going on. So we're standing on the porch of this house, and this man with tears running down his face is begging us for penicillin. His wife had just had a baby, and something had gone wrong. There was an infection of some. Anyway, she desperately needed penicillin, and the hospital had no penicillin. And here this man was standing at the porch of this house begging the rich Americans for penicillin. And as I stood there, I mean, <laughs> I, I we didn't have any penicillin. I mean, what in the world? We, we wouldn't travel with penicillin, you know? Because you think of the, 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 the Ukraine, the former Soviet Union, you would consider them as a first world country, but they weren't, especially only a year and a half after the wall fell. And I remember standing there, and one of the things when I used to travel, do a lot of international traveling, I used to travel with syringes, just because if you are in a third world country and you need a shot, it's better to use your own needles than, than reusing one of theirs. So, uh, yeah, so I used to travel with syringes. So I, I gave them my syringes, and I said, here, you can have these, but they're, you know, obviously they're empty. And he, he, the, the anguish of his wife sitting in a hospital dying permeated my soul. And there was absolutely nothing I could do. And I, I remember telling him, you know, uh, <clears throat> I don't know if it was me or the, the guy that was with me. I, I don't remember. One of us said, all, we, all I have is vitamins. I think my buddy said it, actually. And I said, I, yeah, I've got some vitamins, too. And and he, I'll take them. So, you know, we gave him, you know, we gave him what we had. But that the anguish in in that man's face, and it is as I read this, these stories like this in the Bible, that his face is always preeminent in my mind. And I cannot imagine that kind of grief, knowing that there was a cure for whatever was wrong with his wife, and not having the medicine to be able to take care of it. What an incredibly, incredibly heavy burden that he was carrying that night. And I, and I, I and and in in my thinking, it would be even magnified even more in the in the face of a mother watching her child die. Look at verse twenty and and point number two, uh, the broken heart of a mother. Verse twenty. And when she had <clears throat> taken him and brought him. Uh, to his mother, and he sat on her knee till till noon, and then died. 
I, again, I just I just cannot imagine it. A cynical person would think that God enjoys things like this to torture people. But I, I'm here to tell you that's not how God works. That's not how God works. As we talked this morning, everything that comes into our lives comes into our lives for a purpose. And one of the things that can happen in a, in a life, in a, especially in a believer's life, it can happen in a, in a believer's life, is that we become cynical. So many bad things are happening in the world. So many bad things are happening to me. So many bad things. And, 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 and we can become cynical. But the thing that I admire about this woman is she does not become cynical. As, as we finish reading the story, point number three, we'll see the actions of the mother. And this is really, really the turning point of the story because it's the actions of the mother that, 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 that um, dictates the results of, of, of the rest of the story. Verse 21, and <clears throat> she went up and laid on him. Oh, this is, yeah, this is point number three. Okay, yeah. Um, and she went, she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and went out. And she called unto her husband and said, Send me, I pray thee, one of uh, the young men uh, and one of the asses, that I may run uh, to the man of God and, and come, come again. And he said, Wherefore uh, wilt thou go to him today? Uh, it is neither the uh, new moon nor the Sabbath. And she said, uh, It shall be well. And uh, when she saddled the uh, an ass and, and uh, said to her uh, servant, Drive and go forward. Slack not thy riding uh, for me, except I bid thee. So she went and came to the man of God uh, to Mount Carmel. And it came to pass when the man of God saw her afar off, that he said uh, to Gehazi, his servant, Behold, yonder is the Shunammite. Uh, run now, I pray thee, to meet her and say to her, Is it, is it well with thee? Uh, is it well with thy husband? And is it well with thy child? And she answered and said, uh, Answered, uh, It is well. <clears throat> and when she uh, came to the man of God to the hill, uh, she caught him by, by the feet. Uh, but Gehazi came nearer to thrust her away, uh, and the man of God uh, said, Let her alone, for her soul is vexed within her, and the Lord hath hid it uh, from me, and, and hath not told me. Uh, then she said, uh, Did I desire a son of the Lord? Did I not say, Do not deceive me? Here, the, the actions of this mother are, are, <clears throat> are, are interesting, to say the least. The first thing she does is she takes the child up into the prophet's chamber that, uh, that she had built on the side of her house. And it, it is assumed uh, that she had heard of the story that Elijah had done uh, previously uh, in 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 19 to 22, uh, it says, and, and he, being Elijah, uh, said unto her, Give me thy son. And he took uh, him out of her bosom and carried him up into a loft 
where he abode and laid him upon his own bed and cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, thou, uh, hast thou also brought evil upon this widow with whom I sojourn uh, by slaying her son? And he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried unto the Lord and said, Lord, O Lord, my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come to him again. And the Lord heard uh, the, the voice of Elijah and the soul of the child came back into him and he revived. Now, it could be that her actions of taking her son and putting him on Elisha's bed was in response thinking, okay, if Elijah did it, then Elisha can too. Then she goes to her husband and says, hey, get me one of your young men. I'm going to see Elijah. Now, <clears throat> there's a couple of things here that, that I found, again, found interesting. One is the fact that she never told her husband that the son had died. Now, there's a couple of lines of thinking here. Uh, it could be she didn't want to give him the bad news. Or, I personally believe, she knew that Elijah was going to raise him. I, I, we don't know. Okay, we don't know. But it, it is by the urgency here, uh, you can tell because it, the husband looks at her and says, hey, it's not time to worship. It's not the Sabbath. It's not the time of the new moon. What's going on? But you know, the, 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 you know, again, reading between the lines, it's understood here, at least in my thinking, that he knew something was up, but he just didn't know what. And the fact that the child had been sick... And he had sent him to the mom, so he, you know, chances are pretty good. He's starting to put pieces together here. So, <clears throat> but it's interesting to me. One of the things that I find interesting is the fact that he understands her devotion to God. Because she turns around and says, oh, wait a minute, it's not time for church. Why, why are you going, what's going on? This is not the norm. It's not the Sabbath. It's not the day of worship. It would be it would be a, a common for uh, for someone in in our situation to say uh, on a, on a Thursday, oh, I'm going to the church. Well, why are you going to church on Thursday? You, you know what I'm saying? That's that that. So he understood her devotion, and <clears throat> and recognized it. Another thing that's interesting, at least again to me, is that Elijah noticed and recognized her from afar. And what did he say? He said basically the same thing the husband said. What's she doing here? Something, something's not right. So he sends Gehazi and he says, find out what's wrong. Ask, you know, and he says, uh, you know, find out she's okay, the husband's okay, the child. Well, the woman didn't want to deal with Gehazi. She wanted to talk to Elijah. So she looks at Gehazi, yeah, everything's fine. <laughs> Went straight to the man of God. Side note here, totally, total, total side note. Aren't you glad that you do not have to go through a priest to get to God? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 to 16 says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into, into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our professions, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. 
Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace and in, 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 to help in the time of need. What an incredible opportunity that she had. She, got, she, she was able to go straight to the man of God. I imagine by the time verse 28 came, she was probably crying very heavily. And she looks at Elisha and she said, Did I desire a son of my Lord? What is she saying? She said, I never asked for a son. I did the things I did because it was the right thing to do, not because I wanted anything from you. And then she says, did I not say, do not deceive me? She said, number one, I didn't ask for this child, but now that I got him, I love him and I want him. And I asked you then not to tease with me. I can just, I don't know, I, I can just hear the emotion in those statements. The broken-hearted mother of this child. Number four, we see the inability of Gehazi. The inability of Gehazi. Look at verse 29. And he, Elisha, said to Gehazi, Gird up thy loin and take, take my staff in, in thine hand and go thy way. If thou meet any man, salute him not. Uh, and if any man salute thee, answer him not again. And, and lay my staff upon the face of the child. In other words, Go and don't stop for anybody or any reason. Just keep going. Just go. In verse uh, 30, And the mother of the child said, As the Lord liveth, uh, uh, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And he arose and followed her. And Gehazi passed on before them and laid the staff upon the face of the child. But there was neither voice nor hearing. Wherefore he went again uh, to him, and, and told him, saying, the child is not awakened. <clears throat> so the inability uh, of Gehazi. Uh, when, I, when, I, when I read this, um, two things come to mind. Or, well, really, two New, New Testament passages come to mind. The first one we see when the disciples were unable to drive out the demons in Matthew chapter 17, uh, verses 15 to 20, it says, Lord, have mercy uh, on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed. For oft time he falleth into the fire and oft uh, into the water. And, and I brought him to thy disciples and they uh, could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, Oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring me hither to me. Uh, bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and uh, he departed out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples apart and said, "Why could we? Uh, why could uh, not we cast him out?" And Jesus said unto the, unto them, "Because of your what? Your unbelief." Because of your unbelief, for, for verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall uh, say unto this mountain, Remove hence uh, to yonder place, and it shall uh, remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. 
So why was the demon not able to be replay, uh, taken out of this boy by the by the disciples? Be, because because they didn't have the faith to do it. Because of unbelief. The second passage of scripture comes from James chapter 5 verses 14 and 15. If any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church and uh, let them pray over him, anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if uh, he have uh, committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Now, let me ask you a question. What, what is the cure of sickness? The oil, the prayer, or the faith? It's the faith. And here, this guy Gehaziel, he does what he's told to do. He takes the staff of Elijah and he goes and he rushes in and he puts and he does exactly what Elijah says and nothing happens. So he turns around and goes back. Why do you think Gehazi uh, was not able to raise the boy? Lack of faith. Just because you go through the motions, just because you go through and you do everything right, if you don't have the faith, it's just an exercise. Like the verses we just read, the oil, the anointing of oil, in, in the oil itself, is no, there is no healing power in the oil itself. But it's in the faith of the individuals applying the oil that the healing takes place. And then lastly, and quickly, I'll, I'll try to summarize everything very quickly here. And then number five, the miracle. Verse 32. <clears throat> when Elijah was come into the house, behold, the child was dead, and he laid upon his bed. And, and uh, he went in there, therefore, and shut the door <clears throat> upon them twain, and prayed unto the Lord, and went up and laid upon the child, and put his mouth uh, upon his mouth and his hands upon his hands and his eyes um, uh, or upon his eyes and his hands upon his hands and stretched himself upon the child and the flesh of the child was waxed warm and he returned and walked uh, in the house uh, uh, to and fro and went up and stretched himself upon him uh, and the child sneezed seven times and the child opened his eyes and he called Gehazi and, and said call the Shunammite so he called her, and when she would come in unto him, uh, he said, Take up thy son. And she went in and fell at his feet and bowed herself to the ground and took up her son and went out. The miracle. I got another little side note I want to bring up here. Often, when we are in similar situations, when, when urgency, when we are caught up in urgency, oftentimes we fail to pray. Our first response instead of prayer is 911. Well, I'm here to tell you, prayer is more important than 911. Now, I'm not talking stop and pray for 15 minutes. That's not what I'm saying. But, but we need to be instant in season and out of season. And if you go back to 
I think it was Daniel before he went before the king. The Bible describes him praying a very quick and very simple prayer. But oftentimes, because of the urgency of situations, oftentimes we, we, we depend on the emergency services that are provided to us and not our God. Just as with Elijah, Elisha did not see immediate results. It took perseverance. One of the things that we, we don't see with Gehazi is the perseverance. He comes in, he does what he's told to do, it didn't work, oh well, and go back. Elisha was not about to stop until the boy was healed. Can you imagine the flood of emotion that she experiences as she walks into, into the room and sees her son sitting on the edge of the bed. I mean, you talk about an emotional roller coaster. <laughs> I mean, it, it's just, I, I just cannot imagine it. But in closing, I want to I just kind of bring up some, some kind of thoughts that the Lord gave me as I was, as I was going through this passage. <clears throat> the first one is this. Sometimes things happen that we cannot understand or explain. We, we just can't. God has chosen for some, for, for some reason to bring us into a, a situation, to, a, to a, 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 an ordeal of sorts that we don't understand. One of the things that uh, uh, Melanie, well, uh, me more than Melanie, uh, I, excuse me, I have a friend who is deathly sick in the hospital. And I saw his brother when, while we were back in North Carolina, and he, he filled in a lot of the detail, different things that we just didn't know. And here this young man is, and is how, how old is my, uh, Michael? Uh, uh, 30s? 30, mid, okay, mid-30s. Laying in the hospital, basically brain dead. Probably, I mean, he, he's, he's breathing on his own and all that, but it probably will never beyond, go beyond being a, a small child mentally. His wife and his children, I, I can't explain that. I, I don't know why that this young man and this family has had to go through this ordeal. I don't know. But... There have been story after story after story of the power of God evident in the life, not only of this, this young man, but in his family as well, and his church. Another thing that I found interesting is the fact that she knew where to get help. She knew where to get help. She ran to the man of God. couple things about Gehazi. Gehazi was lacking some things in his life. And, and, and see, this is where we can be, it can become dangerous for Christians because we get so familiar with this book. We, we, we sit in church and we hear sermons and we, and we pray and we read our Bibles and we, we go through the motions so very often. It's easy when catastrophic events happen that we, we lose our focus and we, we get so focused on the situation that we forget to consult with the Almighty God that we spend so much time with. 
and Gehazi was lacking some things in his life, the first thing that he was lacking was faith. Nowhere, nowhere in here does it demonstrate any faith at all. He was just going through the motions. Another thing that he lacked was compassion. Oh, well, didn't work. I guess I'll just go back and find Elijah. He was lacking prayer in his life. Nowhere did he stop to pray and say, God, heal this young boy. Give me wisdom. Help me to be a blessing. Nowhere does he do that. And he's also lacking perseverance. I'm here to tell you, if a person lacks faith, they will almost always lack the other things that Gehazi was lacking. Somebody who has little faith will spend little time praying. Somebody who has little faith will spend little, uh, little time in perseverance. I, I, I can't tell you how many times people have said to me, well, pastor, I prayed. Well, why you hadn't got an answer? Okay, well, uh, how, how long have you been praying? Oh, I prayed this morning. Okay. Perseverance. And then compassion. Elisha's efforts succeeded. And I believe they succeeded, number one, because he prayed, and, and, but most importantly, because he had faith. And he persevered. He did not give up until the child was healed. And ultimately, the most important thing in this whole story is God got the glory and not Elisha. See, if we, do our, if we do it right, if we live our lives right, God can use us to do great things. And if we do it right, if we do it through faith and we do it through prayer and perseverance and compassion and all of the other things, if we do it right, who gets the glory for it? God does. And here we see the story of this the Shunammite woman <clears throat> Her son being raised from the dead, and the emotional roller coaster that she goes through, one by by watching her child literally die in her arms. But praise God, she knew where to go. And the man of God came, and because he was a man of faith, and not just going through the motions, but a man of faith, the son was raised from the dead. Praise God for that. I guess, in closing, I want to challenge us. You know, it is so easy. It is so easy for us to get caught into the routines of life, is is it not? We can... uh, I was was having lunch last week with Pastor Davidson. He's... Pastor Davidson is the guy that came out for our our anniversary service last year uh, from North Carolina. Very, very dear friend of mine. Anyway, last week we were sitting there eating, eating lunch and, and we somehow got started talking about our devotional lives. And I said, I said to him, I said, well, I've been kind of, God's kind of brought me to this thing where I'm, I'm kind of stuck in a, in a chapter. And, and we talked about it a little bit. And, and I said, you know, one time a couple years ago, I spent three weeks on two verses in, in the Bible. 
And, and he just kind of looked at me like, wow, I can't believe you just said that, you know, because, you know, there's this misnomer out there that the, the pastors are supposed to read through the Bible every every 30 days and, you know, <laughs> have it memorized by the, you know, I, <laughs> you know what? And, and I told him, and that's what I told him. I said, you know what? I need this book to make a difference in my life. I don't, I, I don't need to memorize it. I don't need to speed read it. I need it to change my life. And way too often what can happen to each and every one of us is we get caught going through the motions. Getting up in the morning, doing our 15, 20-minute prayer, getting up, reading, our, reading our, our two or three chapters of the Bible and saying, okay, that's done, and walking away and, and, and realizing you just read nothing. Don't get stuck in the rut like Gehazi I can't, I, I, I don't know, I have no proof of this, but I can just imagine Gehazi as he's going uh, the 15 miles from Mount Carmel to uh, the Shunammite uh, uh, woman's house, him thinking, whoa, Elisha's going to be so proud of me when this kid comes back to life. I'm going to do everything he said. And, and, and the reality is, it, it is not the motions that he went through that would have raised the child, but I believe had he been also been a man of faith, that child would have been raised the first time. But because he was dependent on the system instead of the Savior, the child never was raised until Elijah had to come and do it. Reading your Bible, praying, seeking the Lord is absolutely critical, but don't get stuck in the rut. Spend time with God. Spend time with God. That's what he wants.